When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind Casino, still the one. And by Allstate, you're in good hands with Allstate. Now, here's Chris Plank. All right, so behind the mic a little bit later this week, no no excuse except, I don't know, Toby, every so often you got to mix it up, right? And we're going to put all three pressers. You're going to hear the Brent Venables presser from earlier today, plus Coach Levy and Coach Roof. Sometimes you just got to mix it up, don't you? Life happens, Chris. Life happens. Some, sometimes things happen, and this week it's a different day. So, you know, deal with it. We roll with the punches. Life, life happens whenever uh, I have two daughters who have suddenly become active in everything. Uh, and I'm not complaining <laughs> because we're spending a lot of time at the golf course. So uh, that's good. You know, um, let's spend some time looking back on SMU before we look back on the coaches show, which it's kind of nice to do this on a Tuesday night because we can look back on mm-hmm. – everything with Brent Venables, but uh, we've had two radio shows since an entire post game show. I, I think that was a really good team. They beat on Saturday night. How have you felt looking back now and kind of rehashing the one over the ponies? Oh, you know, I think um, pretty good about it. It, it. Obviously defensively, it's about as good as you could hope for through the first two weeks of the season. Uh, you're right. That's a good uh, team, especially offensively held them to their lowest scoring output since 2017. And, and uh, you know, that one touchdown drive that they had, they got some help along the way too. So uh, they look great. Danny Stutzman was awesome. Peyton Bowen had a very good game. Uh, the pass rush was there. Uh, the tackling was on point. They threw several you know, I don't know if you'd call them trick plays, but, um, you know, there was a reverse. There was a, a fumble ruski that they mixed in there. There was the several uh, creative plays that SMU tried to catch OU on, and, and they were sound. They were really ready for pretty much everything they did. Uh, offensively, it was a little sluggish until the fourth quarter, and uh, I guess that's the positive takeaway for me is, the fourth quarter was not good to Oklahoma last year. Um, it was horrific, actually. And that's why they lost five one-score games. 
but when SMU closed it to a three-point game in the fourth, you could argue that Oklahoma played their best football from that point forward. Certainly they did offensively. And um, they looked sharp. Now, they didn't, they didn't always look sharp until then, but those final two touchdown drives, they looked good. So hopefully they take some momentum out of that fourth quarter offensively and, and carry that forward. Made another big special teams play for the second consecutive week, the, the block punt from uh, Peyton Bowen this week. So all around, good win. I would not say uh, the most dominant win they've ever had, but you know, coming into the year, the biggest question about this team was, have they improved defensively? And through two weeks, it appears that answer is yes, maybe even significantly yes. So that's a really encouraging sign. You know, I'm going to I'm gonna drop a quick little audio cut here because I want the, the peeps to hear it. Toby, Jeff Levy was asked about the running backs, and here's what he said in his presser. Um, and I, I, I'm just – I'm curious to get your take on this because I know some people are of that mindset where – a walk-on cannot be a star for some reason, even though I guess they forget about Baker Mayfield and there's some people that get upset, but I think this will work. Let's see if we can hear what uh, Jeff Levy had to say about his, his running backs. Well, he, he had the most production Saturday, you know? So again, I do like the fact that we got four guys. We got four guys that are incredibly capable. Uh, We've got uh, guys that have a lot of trust with the entire staff and, and I think can play at any given time. So uh, the stress, again, is being able to get two and 27 going as they've uh, they've worked themselves back into being in a really good position. So, again, you'll hear the entire Jeff Levy press conference coming up later in this podcast. But if I'm to take anything from that, they feel good about the depth in that room. Maybe we're going to play a little hot back over the first few weeks of the season. And, you know, it was, what, Javante Barnes in week one. It was Toby Walker in week two. And, you know, it seems even though Javante Barnes carried the ball a lot in week one, T-Row, doesn't seem like he's back to 100% quite yet, or or maybe after the workload in week one, they decided, hey, we, we might have to shift things up, give him a little bit more of a rest. But I, I'm really excited to see it. Potentially, they can get two and 27 Barnes and Sawchuck a little bit more involved because I love the depth in that room. Yeah, I think this will be a developing storyline as the year goes along, and it'll be interesting to see where it, where it all lands in the end. Um, Tawi Walker's a great story. He ran the ball hard, obviously, on Saturday night. I think he's a real weapon for this team. I know he doesn't necessarily physically look like uh, Adrian Peterson, right? Or you know, some of the classic running backs that Oklahoma's had through the years. But Quentin Griffin wasn't a big guy, mm-hmm. and he was really effective. So. Uh, where it all lands, though, will be intriguing, and I don't think it's by any means done yet. I, I, we know Gavin Sawchuck was banged up coming into the year, and I think if you read between the lines, Brent said even before the season started on one of the Rudy shows that they got a couple of backs that have been banged up. You know, I, there it shouldn't have been as much of a mystery, I think, as it was to some as to why you weren't seeing more Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuck. They weren't completely healthy. Now, when they get, if you know, assuming they do get completely healthy, 
then I don't have any doubt that we're going to see more of, of those guys. We know how good Javante Barnes is. And we got a glimpse at how good Gavin Sacha could be in that Cheez-It Bowl. So um, depth is the word you brought up there. And it's going to be a battle. There will be attrition. It's a position where guys get banged up. Marcus Major um, had a big play in the yeah. fourth quarter of that game. He's a factor here. And don't forget about the two kids. You know, they got a couple mm-hmm. of freshmen that they like a whole lot. So right now it's Tawi Walker, and he looks like he deserves to be the guy right now. I mean, he's running the best. He's breaking tackles. But it might not be that way Saturday, not to mention three, four weeks from now. And it's a good problem. It's not even a problem. It is great to have depth. At, at any position, especially the running back position in football, because those guys take a beating. So I would say, you know, rather than gnashing of teeth over who's getting the most carries or who's RB1, it should be, you know, high-fiving that they have as many really good running back options as they do. Seems like that group really likes each other too. And watching and being over there on the sidelines and watching all – Gosh, let's see. Major, Sawchuck Barnes, all, all five of the re- other running backs celebrating with him whenever, you know, he had a he had a big run or when he'd come off the field. So I I really think that's a group that's tight. And they're trying, you know, Gavin Sawchuck, we saw coming out of halftime T Row that he was working a little bit more with DeMarco Murray. I think he ended up getting one series, but you know, he's got that, he's got that breakaway speed. He's got that extra gear that you know, those other backs, well, the, the freshmen do too. Smothers is an absolute speed demon. But from the guys that have got the majority of the carries, right, Barnes, Major, and Tawi Walker, they they invite contact. You know, I'm not saying Sawchuck won't, but he's going to run away from you too. So I'm I'm fascinated to see how that fits in. Well, one other note on the offense before you know, we ship. Oh, go ahead. I, just a quick interjection. There have been – I remember years recently where we were halfway through a season before a running back emerged. <laughs> You know, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Rodney Anderson was kind of that way when he first burst onto the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kennedy Brooks, I believe, was was kind of that way before he kind of took over. And so, I mean, we're two games into a marathon here, and maybe it's going to be Todd Wee Walker from start to finish, who's the guy. But history would tell you that there's going to be many opportunities for all of those guys to be the dude at some point. And uh, I, I think that's exciting to see just kind of how this all unfolds. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, quarterback position, you know, it, it, there was a lot about not taking deep shots. Again, you'll hear Jeff Levy address that a little bit later on, but I, I'm i still excited about the the growth of, of what we've seen from Dylan Gabriel. And I know that it was maybe tested out and we'll see what the future looks like, but the, the Jackson Arnold package where they're using him kind of like the bell dozer. I think Brent Venables even said post game. There's so much more that they can do out of that. And BV said today, Hey, we're not worrying about a red shirt with Jackson Arnold. I think both of those guys, well, and, and listen, Dylan Gabriel's going to get a majority of the snaps, but I, I like the way that the quarterback position has progressed this year. I don't feel like that you've seen Dylan Gabriel panic or regress because there's a five-star behind him. And I don't think you've seen in Jackson Arnold T row, a guy who seems like uh, any of this that he's had to do so far that the moment's too big for him. I, I feel really good about that right now. 
Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, Dylan's been sharp. He, he uh, six touchdowns, no picks. He really, you can't, I can't anyway point to a pass that he's put in any kind of danger mm-hmm. of being intercepted. Uh, 70, I think it's 78% completion percentage, which is huge. So he's been sharp. The game plan, I don't know if it was the game plan. It was the execution was a little quizzical, I thought, Saturday night as to why they didn't try to stretch the field more. But um, either he didn't see it. I think, you know, talking to Brent on Monday night, there were a couple of times that they, you know, that was the call, but the protection didn't allow them to get to that. Um, So sometimes it's the O-line. Sometimes it's Dylan either, you know, he decides he likes a different option. Uh, Sometimes they're setting things up for the future, you know. Um, So I don't know. It it was (laughs) 14-11, and the game was in danger. And so you you can't mess around and just, you know, try to save things in that circumstance. But I, I think that we'll see them. I mean, the history of Jeff Levy, and what we saw last year is this team likes to throw the deep ball. And we know they got speedsters. So it's coming. In fact, I would venture a guess that we'll see it a bunch this week after all the backlash from last week. But uh, I, I think Dylan's been really sharp. I, I think too. the Jackson Arnold package on uh, Saturday uh, worked once, didn't work a couple of times. It's at least in there now where opposing defenses have to prepare for it. So that's something. I don't know that it's a long-term solution. You know, he's not, and Teddy and Gabe did a good job of pointing this out. He's, he's not physically a Blake Bell, you know. Blake Bell, 6'6", 250, 260. Uh, Jackson Arnold, 6'1". He's <laughs> fast, but more on the perimeter than between the tackles. And you certainly don't want to get him beat up. So, I don't know if, if that package will be a part of the all-season game plan. They wanted to give it a look. It, it didn't work with flying colors, so maybe they scrap it. But the interesting thing there for me is there is no doubt they want to get Jackson Arnold involved in some way um, just so he's you know prepared for next year at the very least and for this year, if needed, at the most. And so the creative ways they try to find to do that um, will be interesting to watch. I, I, don't, I don't have an answer as to what that is, but I think, that, I think we're going to continue to see them every game try some way to get 10 on the field. Um, so that's, that'll be fun. And then uh, defensively, I loved what Ted Roof said on on Monday. We're taping this on a Tuesday early evening. Uh, there's so much good that seems to be happening, right? But we had Jay Valai on Coach's Corner this week, which was electric, Toby. I can't wait to send you all the cuts from this. I can't wait for you to Did hear you wear it. wear a tight shirt? Oh, he had a tight shirt on, man. He was looking the part. We learned a new, uh, what's it, an anagram, whenever it's letters that, that match a saying, like TGIF. Um it what sass sass that's how they want to be they want sass so we'll all exp- i think some of you have figured it out maybe you'll figure it out when you watch the show about five minutes into it i'm like 
oh, I know what SAS means. I can't say that on the air. But we were talking about, hey, you're 2-0, but you were 2-0 last year. So I, I want to play this from Ted Roof, get your reaction, then we'll bring you the Brent Venables press conference. But the question was separating fact from fiction. How do you know what is really improved, and how do you know what isn't? This is good. Look at depth, competitive depth, uh, you know, as far as how that goes. Um, yeah, I mean, we're just starting out. We're by no means a, a finished product, and we haven't arrived or any of that stuff. We're just – a work in progress that's going to go out and grind every day. And that's the attitude that our staff and our players have. And it's all about, you know, incremental improvement. And, uh, you know, we've got to get better because we left some some plays out on the field the other night, some situations where, you know, we had opportunities to get off the field and didn't. And uh, we got to we got to close the door right there. I, I love how everything is couched with, hey, we did some good things, but we left some stuff on the field. I feel like it's better. I mean, I I, I feel like they're they're tackling well. What only what four or five missed tackles the first couple of games, and that number was much higher last year. I mean, we've got Teddy Lehman, who is the ultimate uh, understander, if that's the term of this defense, and in in some ways could be the the ultimate critiquer of it. But even he seems to feel pretty good about where they're where they're migrating towards and how they're playing. Yeah, I mean, I think cautiously optimistic is how a lot of us are because through a couple of games last year, we were, we were feeling really good about everything too. Um, so you hate to get out in front of your skis uh, there, but it does appear that everything's calmer, that there's a greater understanding that you mentioned the tackling, the depth is undoubtedly better. The speed appears to be better. There's some guys like, uh, Kip Lewis and Kobe McKenzie and Peyton Bowen, some youngsters that uh, PJ Adabalare, who they've brought in, who you can tell like these guys are are big time athletes. Uh, Gentry Williams uh, looks the part at one of the corners. So they have statistically been very good through two games. They look the part. It seems like there's a better understanding of what's going on. So I don't know how you can be anything but optimistic, knowing that they, there are bigger, tougher tests to come. But so far, based on what you've seen, you know what it looks like this defense has turned a corner. We thought it might in year two. Often that's the case with Brent Vittable's coach teams. And it looks like it is. So hopefully they can go have another good performance Saturday against Tulsa. And then they have a really interesting test the week after that for that Big 12 opener against the Cincinnati team that looks like they're flying pretty high early in the year. And that'll be their first ever Big 12 game. So, you know, they're going to be jack sky high. Yeah, 918 this week. And Toby, appreciate the time, buddy. uh, Brent Venables presser coming up here in seconds. And we'll talk to you again soon, man. Have a great rest of the week. You the man, Plank. All right. Hey, good morning. I'd like to uh, open up just by congratulating Ethan Downs on being named to the All-State AFCA uh, Good Works team for his tremendous community service. And he's only representative from the, the Big 12 Conference and one of 11 um, players in the country that, to receive this honor. So great job, Ethan. Uh, wonderful um, uh, honor. So, I'd like to open it up uh, for questions. Uh, start here. Go down, Jesse. Left side. Hey, Brent. 
I just wanted to ask you about uh, Danny Stutzman. Uh, you know, through I think he leads the team in tackles through two weeks. He had 17 on Saturday. Maybe just compared to where he was through two weeks, you know, last year. Maybe where have you seen him grow the most on the field? Yeah, probably his confidence. Um, he's playing at a in a confident way. He's able to have a different level of anticipation uh, because of his knowledge. Again, just being another year in the system, he's a lot more comfortable. He's able to lead. He's not, you know, um, in the back. He's in the front. So last year, David Awebu was probably our our leader there, and um, so he's taken those reins, his leadership and confidence. Bob? Yeah, Brent, we know a lot of the players have mentioned second year in the system, second year in the system, but what else is it about Key Lawrence that's different? I think, you know, he's he's not worried about external factors. And he's just worried about uh, being a great teammate, doing his job, playing at a high level, uh, letting the game come to him. Uh, you know, he's playing aggressively. And just playing with a lot of confidence, I think he's having some fun. I don't want to speak for him on every one of those, but if I was, I'm around him every day, uh, you know, in the back seven meeting and certainly on the practice field. So that's what I see. Brent, you spoke last week about that there's got to be a future at quarterback beyond this season. And in that context, when you're talking about developing Jackson more than just the appearances he's making now, what are you hoping he gets out of that playing time? and? Is it safe to assume that a red shirt's not in the picture if he's going to be out there like that? Yeah, I mean, he's our number two quarterback. I don't see any reason we would want to red shirt him. Uh, we can't afford to. Uh, we don't have the, the depth, you know, at that position. So uh, I'd like to continue to bring him along. And uh, what we're doing uh, with him, I don't think that's necessarily indicative of what he can't do. Uh, so um, we'll continue to you know, uh, give him some opportunity uh, when it's the right time and uh, trying to get him, you know, experience, confidence, uh, comfort, all of those things through getting on the field and meaningful playing, playing time. Hey, Brent, I had a chance to talk to Kevin recently and he talked about some of the battles you had with him at practice and things. <laughs> he had a lot of complimentary things in it. Of course, you know, he had a pretty good offense at the time, but what do you remember about some of those battles and what do you think about what he's doing now at Tulsa offensively and what does Tulsa have offensively? I mean, the battles were what they were. Um, in the moment, it's personal. You're trying to win. Uh, at least that's the, the goal. Very competitive, you know, competitive. He's really a really smart coach and a tough guy, and uh, that's what it's about, man. Practice, uh, the practice field is how you become you know, a good player, a good unit, a good team. And uh, so uh, both of us are very passionate um, about, you know, our craft. And uh, Kevin's done a great job, you know, wherever he's been. Uh, if he's just coaching the tight ends or he's coaching the quarterbacks or uh, whether he's at Northwestern or Oklahoma or Indiana or Ohio State now at Tulsa, he's, he's always done a, a fantastic job. He's, one of my favorite people that I've worked with and um, a good friend and a great dad and a great husband and a, a dang good football coach. And uh, Tulsa's lucky to have him. And I see his, his 
players playing, you know, aggressively and, and playing confidently. Uh, even watch them going up to Washington, traveling halfway across the country. Uh, they played in a, uh, you know, a very first third down of the game. They go first down, second down, third down, conversion, uh, you know, real fearless. And that's, you know, he's kind of got to go for broke uh, mindset. So. Uh, he'll do a great job there, and his players are, are representing him well right now. Brent, when you have a defense playing at such a high level, how do you balance wanting your defense to play with a little bit of swagger but not be overconfident? Where do you find that fine line of balance? Again, you know, just being having respect you know, for the game, and it's not all about you. And You want guys to be passionate and intense and to have fun, have enthusiasm. Uh, uh, but not lose their mind or their poise. I think having poise and and uh, maturity is part of it too. Uh, don't act like a fool, you know. Uh, you know we got to actually play third down now. You know you made a tackle for loss. Congratulations, we ran you through the a gap. Nobody blocked you. Let's play. And uh, just having you know, I think having humility and confidence can go hand in hand. And. Uh, and having a never satisfied mindset, but uh, the swagger and the confidence, uh, the edge, if you will, comes from the the work that you put in. Uh, you know, countless hours of work. So you want them to have uh, all those things, but I, I, I'm a big believer in them. You know, uh, pointing and running. When I make a play, I point to my teammates. I point to my family. I point to my coach. You know, when my teammate makes a play. A great play, and I'm running to celebrate his success. I'm more about that than, you know. Again, sometimes, again, I'm I'm assuming that, and again, I I don't mind a guy celebrating, you know, and, and you know, so I don't want to sound like you know, coach don't want to have any fun. You know, this is the no fun zone. It actually, uh, you know, and not that we are, but dominating somebody is that is fun, and um, you know. So again, I just think keeping your emotions in check and having, you know, poise is important. Yeah. Hey Brent, these uh, games against Tulsa, you guys have set up some series as a, a programs between the two. What value do you see in playing another in-state team playing Tulsa? And then some of these games are up there. Is there is there a different value that you ascribe to going up to Tulsa to play them? I don't know if it's a different value. Um, it's certainly a great opportunity for us to play. We're going to play on the road. At least we're playing in state, so we have a lot of uh, people that love the Sooners have an opportunity to to watch us play. Um, I like the familiarity uh, that the players will have with one another. You know, again, half their team is from uh, the state of Oklahoma or the Dallas Metroplex, and uh, I think it's great for them and their program. Uh, we want to see everybody in state. You know, have some level of success, uh, so gives us both an opportunity to uh, people to you know pitch their their flag, if you will, and uh, show their loyalty. So it's good for the pageantry of college football. You know, playing uh, each other in state and as they build their program and we're uh, building ours. I think uh, we all win. You know, through it all. Yeah, Brett. Uh, Texas beat Alabama and looked good doing it. To whatever degree Texas is rising and Alabama is falling, how does that how does that affect you going forward in terms of 
what you got to do in the future? Well, um, I'm only kind of smirking because uh, Alabama falling, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, Texas, uh, apparently I did not see the game. Apparently they played fantastic. You don't just go into Bryant-Denny Stadium and win and not play pretty dang good. So, uh, you know, credit to them uh, for that. I don't necessarily think that's indicative of Nebraska or uh, uh, Texas falling. Uh, or uh, Alabama falling. I don't even know what to say. That doesn't sound right. So I don't know how to say it. <laughs> My brain doesn't think like that, uh, apparently. But, you know, I just say, hey, man, you know, this is the league that, you know, we signed up for. And and this is college football. But those are, you know, two, two really you know, good programs. And Alabama's been the gold standard for a long time. That doesn't mean they're – they're not vulnerable to uh, you know a great game, and they came on they came up on the short side of it. You know that's the game too. I'm sure there's moments and plays you know in that game where uh, they were punished for not doing X or Y or Z the right way. And then again, this is a game of performance and guys winning their matchups. And uh, it sounds like Texas made some great plays, and and uh, no surprise, it was sounds like it was a great game and uh, great venue and. Uh, those are two teams right now that are, and again, early in the season, you know, playing really well. But I, I don't think it's um, indicative necessarily that uh, Alabama uh, is going to fall off the face of college football either. Not that you said that, but uh, they'll respond. I'm sure of that. George, uh, Brent, there's a lot of metrics out there about tackling, and I, I, I saw one out there that was. You guys had 33 missed tackles through the first two games mm -hmm. last year. This year you only have seven. I'm sure you guys have your own grading system, but do you feel like the tackling has been better? And what exactly goes into that? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it goes into it. And again, you know, sometimes you know you're you're a little more consistent tackling because maybe uh, the quality of the athletes aren't exposing you. I I I have again. I just I put it all out there. Uh, because I, I do think that that's important, but um, uh, SMU, you know, had good skill, and uh, so give our guys some credit. I think it comes from again confidence and good eyes and good reaction, um, good fundamentals. Uh, you know, guys that are more knowledgeable are going to take better angles and they're going to play more aggressively and not be on their heels. So sometimes the byproduct of that is good clean tackling, you know, techniques. And so again, another year in the system and another year in, in all your drill work and your fundamentals. And uh, we are no different than anyone else. We work on tackling, uh, you know, practically year round. And some guys are more natural tackling. That's a real thing. And uh, the guy just has a way of getting them down. And uh, he always hits them flush. Curtis Lofton was a guy that had very few missed tackles. Uh, a guy like Rocky Kamas always got guys down, you know. He just hardly ever missed a tackle. So some guys, and Roe Williams, you know, it was amazing, you know, how he could hit people flush all the time, no matter what angle, what position he was coming from. Uh, and so some guys are naturally good, and so looks like you're a great tackling team, but they're just – they're really good tacklers. And then you develop it too. And – so I think it's a combination of a lot of things. And, you know, the test of a season will really tell where you're at. But 
again, you know, my job is to recognize uh, the here and the now. You play your schedule, uh, you correct, you teach, uh, you develop, but you want to celebrate, you know, too. And guys need to be affirmed. Uh, I think that's what continues um, the buy-in, uh, the excitement that, all right, the recognition that some of the hard work's paying off and we're getting a little better. And uh, we got a, again, a long ways to go. I, I, I really mean that. And, uh, but through a couple games where our position's been pretty good. Mentioned after the game, he was a little bit banged up. I know he had a brace on. I think yeah, he's still banged up. Yeah. All right, Ryan. You talked about the growth in the secondary, but how much of his reinforcement, confidence boost is it for a guy like Can I Walker or for Gentry to go down and come in and play well? And then, secondly, is Gentry going to be available as well this weekend? Yeah, Gentry will. And Can I? Um, he had some really good plays in the game. Uh, he's he's getting a little bit better, and excited for him. Excited for us. I made a first third down play, and his fundamentals were pretty good um, through most of the play. And we're a little bit late on the break, but um, uh, the ball, the receiver was coming back and was a little bit short of the sticks, and the quarterback threw it and uh, hit him right in the hands. And Kanai played really strong through the hands and uh, did a great job on that. So we got off the field, and then later in the game, there was a an over route. It was a a deceptive play with guys acting like he's blocking and then takes off running. They had a deep over and the quarterback put it right on the money. And can I aggressively, physically uh, strip the ball out? Great play. Positioning was fantastic. Never panicked. Didn't uh, interfere with the receiver and made a play on the on the ball. Those are really big plays when you talk about the development of that position uh, and how that should continue to carry on. Not that he's expected to be perfect, but I do believe that the experience and the confidence uh, is, a, is a real thing and expect uh, you know, him to really come along. And, and uh, that, those are some really good plays. So proud of him for that. For that. Hey, Brian, Jeff mentioned yesterday that uh, Gavin's somebody who he wants to get more involved. Just what are you looking for out of Gavin as he does get adjusted, and just what can you bring to the table for you guys? Well, again, um, talked a lot about Gavin um, in ball camp, and, uh, you know, he's really explosive. You know, he he's wide open all the time. He's had sure hands. He dropped one over the middle. Uh, we got to have that play uh, last weekend. But uh, he's a he's a guy that you can count on, man. He's he's very invested and he cares a great deal. And he runs with great strength. Can run through trash for a smaller guy, and uh, again has a nice catch radius as well. So uh, between the special teams and getting him involved at receiver, I would expect it to uh, continue to you know enhance his role. Expect out of Dave Summer back this week. Hopeful. Uh, can I also ask you about Troy? What did you think of the way he? Uh, he came in and did a nice job. Yeah, he he can he can play three positions, and to say he can play all three equally, I think that's not really fair. He's capable of playing all three really, really well, but it's hard to practice him at all three positions. You know, in practice, you know, you only have so much in the tank, and without you know, tearing a, a guy down and taking all the reps. 
So, but you know, he's he he could he could go in there and be a starter, uh, and you know, at any time. Um, it's uh, he's he's done a great job since he's been here. Dealing with you know, a quarterback like Preston Stone last week, I mean, how does that prepare this defense for the rest of the season? Dealing with somebody that can play, make, and do things that he Yeah, he's, do. and again, you know, uh, uh, Preston's a very good player. You know, Preston, as we saw, he has tremendous accuracy, um, can throw on the run, uh, you know, really never panicked, and he's got good instincts in the pocket, you know, evaded, you know, uh, a couple of sacks uh, a few different times and and then he's smart he makes good decisions he knows when to throw it away when it's not there and not take you know negative plays so uh, that was a challenge you know for our guys and and I thought again for that test they responded well and that again uh, you know should bode well you know to from an experience standpoint and getting better and learning uh, you know, where the air, the margin for air is smaller. And uh, our guys should learn from that, get better from it. Yeah, uh, Jenny spoken to the advantages of playing in Tulsa. Wanted to talk specifically about recruiting. Um, obviously, some of the best high school football in the state played in Tulsa. Could you speak to that a little bit, just the level of high school ball that's played up there, and then the advantage of having a chance to take the team up there and play? Well, I'm not, I'm not trying to recruit for Tulsa, all right? But there's plenty to brag about. They've had a, you know, they've got a you know, great lineage, and there's been amazing football players um, that are, Collegiate players, uh, the Budkus guy, the Budkus Award was there a few years ago, right? Isn't that right? Nagurski. Yeah. What was his name? He went to Denver. Yeah, is that it? Yeah. He won the Budkus or no? No. Nagurski, National Defensive Player of the Year. And, um, and many others. And Garrett Mills came in here, I think, caught 13 passes for 175 yards. Uh, and uh, but there's they've had a, a great lineage of players. I think maybe in the last few years they've had like five guys drafted, uh, just in the last you know few years. And uh, our guys can play anywhere in the country. They're best players. And uh, the state of Oklahoma. And I've said that said this to our staff many times. You know the best players in this state can play anywhere in the country, and they've proven that you know through the years. And uh, you know there's not great depth. Uh, of players, but really good football, really good coaching, really good development, excellent players, and so they'll they'll have a you know handful of them, you know, like we will and Oklahoma State will every year. But you know they've 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 always done a good job, and uh, you know whether they're competing for a highly recruited guy or maybe uh, an under recruited player, and we, as we know, a lot of those guys make up the majority of the guys that get drafted, guys that weren't really highly thought of. I think three stars is the uh, more more three stars drafted than they are, you know, the four and the five stars. But uh, but Tulsa has you know always done a great job of of regardless of who's been the coach there. Uh, that city you know has great talent there. The high schools there in that city and, and the surrounding community. So it's a it's a great location. That's part of. Uh, you know, from a success standpoint, you know, location's important, and uh, Tulsa has benefited uh, from you know the players in this state without without a doubt. Okay, far left, back row, 
Yeah, Brent, uh, I know you've told the story before in various places, but if you could recount, maybe you have a different perspective now that Kevin's the head coach on the other sideline. 2008, the uh, implementation of the hurry-up offense, he was kind of one of the innovators of what we're seeing nationwide now. Can you kind of recount that? I, I understand you were involved in the approval or, or declining of what <laughs> Not much, yeah, yeah. I just happened to be um, in the general area code. Uh, but, um, you, know, you know, Kevin had a background at, you know, Northwestern with Randy Walker. And all the success, if we remember, you know, that was always a feel-good story. Uh, you know, the David versus Goliath. It seemed like every time Northwestern was playing, they were, they were taking somebody to the wire or beating, you know, one of the uh, blue bloods of college football. So he has a, a great lineage and uh, a great experience. Uh, somebody that was never afraid to try something new. And, uh, but uh, he and Coach Stoops and the other offensive coaches, um, you know, decided, hey, look, some of these people are doing a few of these fastball plays. You had a package of two or three fastball plays. You'd put three people into the boundary and you'd run a toss sweep and then maybe you'd run a fake toss and a double post wheel and maybe you'd throw a fade route or a slant or something to the, to the field and, uh, you know, a fastball package. So you got a fastball defense, you know. Well, they took it to another level and it wasn't a bunch of quick short throws. They, I remember specifically Coach Stoops says, you need to go fast and run four verticals because that really wasn't a popular thing to do. And uh, so it, and again, then they, I think they used the personnel and created all kinds of different for formations out of the same personnel grouping and really put defenses, you know, on their heels and couldn't do your sub packages and things of that nature. So at the time, you know, it was a really uh, big time challenge. And then you add to it the quality of the players that were involved, uh, the accuracy of, you know, Sam Bradford and the weapons that he had on offense and their skill, whether it was Jermaine, uh, you know, DeMarco, all these, he had playmakers everywhere. And, uh, but there was also, you know, great detail and precision and a lot of thought that was put into how we do what we do. And uh, I was just glad they were on our team. And, uh, but it was a lot of fun to watch, you know, that maturation and in some ways evolution. Not a, again, there's been tempo and no huddle for a very long time, well before then. But uh, in, the, in the college football game with what we were doing and the personnel that we were doing it with and the variety of the things, it wasn't just the run and shoot. It was getting high backs with the same personnel and then they can get an empty and just blister you with whatever they were doing. Coaches on that team, the coordinators on those early Oklahoma teams, a lot of them went on to be head coaches. Kevin was obviously one of them. But just the quality that, that Bob of guys that Bob hired going on to become head coaches. Yeah. What's your perspective on that? Well, I mean, Coach Stoops always had a way of attracting good players. Um, would always get the best out of people. And, um, and then also good coaches. He's a winner. I remember Coach Snyder asking me just it was a very you know for me I, I've, I've said it before and it's really this isn't about that but I really struggled with do I leave 
home in Kansas State or I'd go to Oklahoma. So with all the emotional attachments and uh, the feeling, you know, indebted to Coach Snyder, my opportunity there and and what have you, the flip side was, well, that's Coach Stoops. And uh, I love playing for him as as a player and love working and learning from him as a defensive a mentor, and so when Coach Snyder says, "Well, once I told him I'm, I'm going to go to Oklahoma," he said, "Well, how do you know they're going to win? Because Oklahoma had gone several years without winning." And I was like, "Well, that's Bob Stoops, and he's a winner." And so I say that he attracts great coaches, and but he also has the instincts for it too. And uh, but you know, several of the coaches, you know, systematically if been able to, um, I don't know if parlay is the right word or not, but through their experiences here um, and the success that we had, obviously opportunities will uh, arise, you know, through that that process. Mm-hmm. Time for a couple more way back, TJ. Yeah, Coach, kind of in that same vein, talking with Coach Wilson, he weaves OU stories in and out of his press conferences when talking about his team at Tulsa. Curious, you've hit on it a little bit today, but maybe any other stories from your time with Coach Wilson that stand out to you? Is this uh, is this PG thirteen? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. We had a lot of good times. Uh, a lot of good times. Our families, our kids, growing up. That's the coaching profession, and uh, this is a wonderful community. To raise your families and. Well, I know it was really hard, you know, different coaches taking different opportunities. I don't think any of those opportunities, whether it was Chuck Long going to San Diego State or Mike going to Arizona or Mangino going to Kansas or, you know, Kevin leaving to go to Indiana, Jay Norvell leaving. I mean, I don't think any of that was probably easy for anybody. Uh, but just a lot of great memories uh, on and off the field. It was genuine. Uh, the coaches um, that were a part of Bob Stoop's staff, uh, because of his leadership, he nurtured family and relationships, and it's all of us together. You know, Coach Stoops is one of the most humble human beings, you know, on this planet. That's the facts. And, you know, the byproduct of that is just a, a, a wonderful, connected environment that everybody and their families benefited from. And I think you could be, you know, I think people felt free to, to, um, in the, from the coaching side to, to do their thing, if you will, and be successful, you know, as a, as a result. In addition to talking a lot about Kevin Wilson, but you know, Dominique Franks is also on the, the Tulsa staff as an as a analyst, as a defensive analyst. Maybe just what do you remember from his time at, at OU? And Dom? What's your, yeah, what's your relationship with him like? You know, um, Dom uh, was a fantastic player, super – Super instinctive. He was a ball junkie. Loved the game. Uh, great acceleration. Just natural. The game was very easy for him. Quiet, uh, but played loud. Um, I've had stayed in touch with Dom. We tried to uh, hire him in an analyst role. Uh, there was a few different things we were having to work through at the time. It didn't work out for him on on his uh, part. And uh, and our part too. There was, uh, he was working at a high school, and, and that high school's pretty good. And so when you hire somebody uh, from a high school, then uh, you can't recruit their program uh, for a couple of years. That's an NCAA rule. So that made it hard. And so he's not coaching there anymore. But 
uh, he's, you know, he's a natural. You know, he loves the game. He's great, great around people. A really good communicator. It's no um, wonder, uh, you know, to me whatsoever that he's had great success as a coach, as a mentor. He's always been about the right stuff, and so excited for his, you know, future. He got a bright one. All right. So from Coach Venables, we go to Coach Jeff Levy, who started his press conference with a statement. Yeah, morning. You know, suspect, suspect you know, some of you might have questions uh, regarding my father-in-law, his presence at the game Saturday night. want to go ahead and address this. Got a statement for you guys that I'll read. You know, one, just want everybody to understand uh, my father-in-law, his presence on the field after the game the other night is, is something – uh, that created a distraction, and I, I do I apologize for that. That was that was not the intent at all. Uh, the intent was just to to celebrate with with my family. Um, do want to correct some reports that uh, that claimed he had a sideline pass. There was not a sideline pass given out. He was actually on the field only when when other families were were down there and were present. Uh, you know, Joe Castiglione, Coach Venables, both have. have uh, address concerns with me, have talked to me about it, and, and again, can, can make sure that everybody understands that this is something that, that will not come up again. So with that, I wanted to start with that and then get into questions. Okay. Let's start far outside, Ryan Chapman. Ask about the running game, two things. Yeah. What do you want to see to get some more consistency with the running game, and then what needs to happen for more explosive plays? Yeah, the, I think the biggest thing is our, our guys got to continue to strain to win one-on-ones. You know, we... We were just hot and cold. Uh, I, I think I said it after the game. We were a little too conservative at times. You know, probably should have thrown it around a little bit more um, to give our guys a little bit of air and, and give us a chance to make some plays on the perimeter. Um, but we do. We just got to continue to to win one on ones, get guys in rhythm, uh, really bring along two and and twenty seven this week, uh, while continuing to to let Tawi get production and having Marcus as a, as a big part of it. So I do love the fact that we've got a stable. You know, we got four guys that we trust that we can count on, uh, but we do want to make more explosive plays in the run game for sure. Uh, Eric, Craig, do you have one? Yeah, I'll ask about the tailbacks. Is it possible that Tawi is the best tailback? I mean, that doesn't strike us as possible, but is it possible? Well, he... He had the most production Saturday, you know. So again, I do like the fact that we got four guys. We got four guys that are incredibly capable. Uh, we've got uh, guys that have a lot of trust with the entire staff, and and I think can play at any given time. So uh, the stress again is being able to get two and twenty-seven going as they've uh, they've worked themselves back into being in a really good position. Yeah. Run the ball and they, no pass attempts 20 yards or further. Right. Can you talk a little bit about going conservative and do you look back and wish you were a little bit more aggressive at times? Yeah, and mentioned that I think right after the game. And then again, the third and seven deal, we're in four down zone. Really liked the run that we were in right there. Got a chance to actually have a, a big one, um, but definitely should have been at minimum fourth and two where we're going to go for it. And, uh, you know, we don't get it executed. Um, so that that was something that obviously was incredibly frustrating in the moment, but again, staying aggressive, 
making sure that we are spreading the ball around and, and giving our guys a chance because I thought Dylan operated really well. He was really clean. Um, and then just with the chunk plays, SMU did a really good job of really running out on us, playing uh, with a deep pulse safety and discouraging some, some shot game. Yeah. Maybe even a little more. Uh, how did you feel like your offensive line did? Was that moved because of an injury, or you just like Everett a lot? You know, when you put the tape on, our guys played incredibly hard, and they they tried to be incredibly physical. We did not play very clean, and we, you know, we couldn't get out of our own way at times. And that wasn't just up front; that was really spread out through through the entire unit. Guys, you put the tape on, and guys were playing incredibly hard and playing incredibly tough, but. We didn't execute cleanly, so Coach V talks about it all all the time, right? But it's effort with technique. You know, it's playing incredibly hard and incredibly physical, but having great technique and fundamentals inside of what you're doing on every snap, and and that'll give us a chance to have the success we want to have. So, um, all of us got to play cleaner. Uh, I am proud of the way we tried to play. We just did not play very clean. Did you talk about Tulsa's defense too? Yeah, these guys, they've got five starters that are transfers. Uh, Boundary safety is a guy that's a, a leader for them, you know, with only three returning starters. But, um, again, these, they've done a nice job in the portal as well, being able to go address some needs. They've got really good-looking guys on the back end. They're not playing a ton of guys on defense, uh, but a group, when you watch them, man, jumps off the tape that they're playing with incredibly high motors uh, and a lot of toughness. So it'll be a, be a challenge as we go on the road for the first time this year. Yeah, yeah. Being year two for Raym has been huge, man. He uh, he's taken the uh, the tempo part of it personally, and and really tried to put it on his shoulders to put us in good positions, and being able to go play fast. And really, he's the key to to making it go. So uh, again, proud of him uh, for how his mentality has changed in year two from a tempo standpoint, and and he's done a nice job with it. You sort of explained to me the relationship with Dylan on, in those moments. Yeah. Yeah, those guys got really good communication. Again, it's it's year two for them, uh, understanding each other and how we're going to play fast and go attack, and then when we need to slow down, how we're going to do that and uh, being able to execute whether we're going fast or whether we're not. But, uh, again, Rame's mentality has been really good with that. Yeah, Jeff, how important was that catch and run for Jaleel on Saturday? He didn't have a catch the first game. didn't have a lot of targets in the second one. Yeah. That was huge, and he did exactly what we're expecting him to do, you know, catch a football and then really turn into a type of running back with, with it in his hands. So I uh, was proud of him for just continuing to play and uh, made a great play. Jesse, Jeff wanted to ask you about uh, Andrell. I think two game, through two games he has 10 catches. Just maybe yeah. how have you seen that before with him and Dylan? I know it's early in the season. Yeah. But how have you seen that develop through the first couple of weeks? Yes, it's been really good, and Drell has uh, – He's for whatever reason, it's just end up. It's ended up finding him at times, you know. And he's uh, he's made the most of his opportunities. You know, he had to drop the second play of the game, and then after that, what I liked is that he really responded. We come back to him two snaps later and, and throw a slant to him. And it's a really competitive play. He makes a nice play, and so was proud of him just to be able to get out of his own way after the drop on the second snap of the game to to go put together a really nice game. Well, and 
guys got involved in week one. Yeah. Maybe not a ton of catches week two. But what have you learned about that wide receiver? We've got depth. You know, and I think that's the best part of it. I think we talked a, a lot about it uh, in fall camp, and now here we are after after two weeks and feel good about uh, you know a good number of guys in that room. And so look forward to them continuing to grow and, and playing in a bunch of different roles in a bunch of different ways. You know, part of it was Drake was back healthy. Uh, obviously, we lost Drake early in, in week one. Uh, he comes back, and, and with the way the game was going, uh, wanted to lean on some older guys that had played a bunch of ball, obviously. And uh, Drake was a guy that I wasn't quite ready to get out of the game full uh, full tilt. So uh, that's, that's kind of how that played out. Yeah, I, th- I thought he played really tough. You know, we have the after we have great field position after the turnover, we've or the the pump block. You know, we got a chance to to get him on the field, and we've got a really good run. We don't execute it, but I thought he did a really nice job of playing tough and and playing physical. Obviously, we want to convert on the fourth and one. Uh, that's a situation where we had opportunities to get it on second and third down, didn't, and um, you know he he gets put back in that situation. So. Mention this after the game, but that's that's just invaluable experience for him. Uh, so just proud of his toughness and, and his mindset right now. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, spent a bunch of time here uh, with, with Wills and and his success as he's moved forward. Uh, has had a ton of success, you know, everywhere he's been offensively and, and done a great job. So. Uh, have have followed from afar, of course, and and look forward to to getting up there Saturday. Any favorite stories as a student assistant with him? He was consistent, you know. He he was he was uh, <clears throat> he coached hard and and uh, he uh, he was a guy that that found ways to create an advantage, you know, and that's something that I always respected. I thought he played clean. I thought he did a nice job scrambling vertically in the pocket. Uh, did a nice job creating completions. Uh, you know, he's, he finishes the day stat line. I think 19 of uh, uh, 27. We got three drops on the day where you you want those back. But man, he he didn't put the ball in harm's way. He took great care of the rock and felt like he did a really nice job just distributing and putting us in in good situations in the throw game. Yeah. Absolutely, and talked about it earlier. But we want to get two and twenty-seven going. You know, we we absolutely do. So that uh, that's something that'll be important for us this week as we move forward and making decisions for Saturday. Is he, is he feeling healthy? Yeah, he feels good. Yeah, it's going to be great that we walk into this afternoon's practice with two guys that we know are really, really healthy. Um, we were able to get them some good work last week, but now moving forward, we feel really good about where they're at physically. So 
uh, again, looking forward to getting those guys going. And Coach Ted Roof obviously is feeling pretty good about the play of Danny Stutzman. Well, I've seen him grow the, grow the most as a leader uh, as far as his role and him embracing that role because, you know, last year at this time he was a guy that was new to the system, new as a starter and trying to figure it out. And uh, he's put a lot of a lot of effort and a lot of a lot of sweat equity in, and he's starting to see some of the uh, the results of that. And uh, real proud of him. And uh, at the same time, uh, can continue to push him. And he's going to push himself to get better because that's what we got to do. But uh, really proud of him. Bob, yeah, uh, Ted, you guys threw so much at Peyton Bowen initially, and what have you learned from him now for the first two two games? And he's been wide and in action. Yeah, uh, we've learned that football really makes sense to him. Uh, he's very instinctive. Uh, he's got a lot of a lot of pride uh, in his performance, and you know the mo- the moment's not too big for him. Just put me in, coach. Tell me what to do, and I'll do it. You know, he's that he's that guy, and uh, yeah, I know he's got a high ceiling and a, and a really bright future. Yeah, Eli, did you had some two strong performances on defense to open the season. You had some last September. Talking about a defense he feels better and different from a year ago. How do you separate fact from fiction this time of year? Uh, look at depth, competitive depth, uh, you know, as far as how that goes. Um, yeah, I mean, we're just starting out. We're by no means a, a finished product, and we haven't arrived or any of that stuff. We're just a work in progress that's going to go out and grind every day. And that's the attitude that our staff and our players have. And it's all about, you know, incremental improvement and uh, you know we've got to get better because we left some some plays out on the field the other night some situations where you know we had opportunities to get off the field and didn't and uh, we got to we got to close the door right there James Chad, when Kevin Wilson was here he had one of the best college offenses in yeah college football with Sam and Haiti and those guys I know he's down the road a little bit here but he's always been a great offensive line yes he has uh, a lot of multiplicity. Uh, Kevin's a smart coach that knows how to attack defenses. Uh, he sees the game real well and is an excellent play caller. And uh, throughout my career, I've always had a lot of respect for him and the job that he does. Is he running tempo? Is he trying to do that like he did here? Yeah, some. Yeah, he's doing a lot. He's doing some of a lot of things right now, and uh, yeah, which makes it tough to prepare for. No, uh, our guys, uh, our guys prepared, and uh, you know they did a good job of recognizing things the other night, and uh, you know playing the responsibility because every 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 defense has a responsibility and job description, and when sometimes guys try to make plays or there's busts. That's when those things happen, and uh, but our guys had disciplined eyes for the most part. And again, we got to get better at it. But for the most part, they had disciplined eyes, and were able to, to to do a good job against those type of plays. Switch gears and ask you about Robert Spears Jennings getting, getting out there, getting some playing time. Yeah, it's it's great to see him out there again. You know, um, coming off his, uh, his shoulder injury, but uh, he came in and gave us a spark, and it was good to see. And uh, you know. T- I anticipate his role, you know, increasing and progressing as we go, as he earns it. Thanks. Sure. Yeah, uh, Ted, going into the game, we said, hey, this is good offense. Yeah. Jones good quarterback, all these things. Coming out of it, your critics might say, well, they weren't as good as we thought. 
Uh, is that a message you sort of translate to your defense? That also, I mean, you turn negative on a team just to keep the guys on edge, or do you do you salute them and say, "Hey, great job"? I think you do. What you do is you tell them the truth. Uh, you point out the good and what we did good, and you also point out the bad and, and try and get it fixed and take it off the, the tape. So just tell them the truth. And uh, SMU is a good offense, but there are some plays that we left out there that we got we got we got to get better. I've seen guys be a little more disciplined um, as far as how that goes, and you know to be able to to, to fit, to trust in the fit, trust in the defense, you know, because sometimes get caught guys they, they know their responsibility and their gap, and they get caught in the middle of a play trying to look over a blocker and peek and try and find a ball carrier as opposed to just doing their job and letting the defense work for them, and we've seen uh, a lot more examples of that, and uh, that needs to continue to, to grow and get better. Got a lot of young linebackers. How hard is it to? Yeah, it's hard because uh, they're used to in, in high school, you know, where you can get away with that, and you know, where there's they're better athletes, they're better players, and to be able to peek and, and look around or jump around a block at times and get out of their gap and make a play, and they were right. But at this level, you know, you got to do things the exactly the right way, or else it'll get taken advantage of. Sure. Well, I think you look at the tape because the tape doesn't lie. And, you know, again, you go back and, and certainly you recognize the, the things that you did well. And at the same time, you know, a lot of coaches are copycat coaches and you got to take, you got to fix the, the mistakes and so you can take them off the tape because if you don't, there'll be underlying issues that'll haunt you each and every week and it'll cost you games and, and those types of things. So we've got to take the, the bad stuff off the tape and that's, that's the way it is. That's, that's the process. Sure. Any more questions for Coach Roof? James, second round. Coach, the defense kind of gave a big run early on in the game, and Key Lawrence was able to sneak it in there and force that fumble. What some of the things you kind of said to him after that, you know, congratulations and things like that. Well, great job chasing the ball, you know, because, uh, you know, the championship strain, strain's a big deal, and we've got to play with strain. And uh, that, that that's a, you take that one off the tape and you show it, okay, here's what it looks like. You know, punching at the ball, you know, finishing the play, those types of things. So, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a big play in the game. You know, anytime you get a takeaway, you know, the momentum. But if you looked at it right, it's it was contact with the ball, then it was population at the ball. We had a guy keeping in bounds and another guy there to, to get on it. So we we had contact with the ball, and we had more population at the ball than they did. So as a result of that, we got a takeaway. Well, we've seen a lot of seven-man protection here the last couple of weeks, and uh, you know, I, a lot of it was guys, you know, staying after it and coming free. And even though we didn't get sacks, we got pressures, you know, where he forced him to throw or, or move him off his spot before he was ready to. So uh, it, was, it was a combination of the two. But uh, you know, guys just eventually keep fighting and, and work through it. Back to the 
heavily on the three linebackers you were starting last year. Obviously, Kip's production has to be exciting, but to just have a guy who can help spell Danny, Jaron, anybody, <laughs> those guys breaks, what does that do for you in, in the fourth quarter of a game like that this week? Where you need to make well, I think it does a lot for you in the fourth quarter and a lot for you as the season wide you know, moves along because, you know, all those reps are cumulative and as they have cumulative effects. And, uh, you know, so having having depth to, to be able to rotate guys and get guys, you know, not just mop-up reps, but meaningful reps when the game's in balance, uh, that's a critical part of, of the deal. And, uh, again, that helps your locker room. You know, it helps your practice field because when you tell guys, hey, you know, you're going to play, I, I wish it wasn't, but it is. The way that human nature goes, guys just have a little bit more of a sense of urgency. You don't want it to be that way, but that's the way human nature is, and you try and coach against that, but that's just you know, the way it is. So I think it helps in, in a lot of areas with morale, with, again, a sense of urgency to prepare. And, uh, but, you know, we've said all along since I started coaching day one, hey, you know, you're one ankle away from playing the whole game, or if it was a third team, or you're two ankles away from playing the entire game. So, I mean, you know, that, that hadn't changed. But to be able to do that and then, you know, rotate guys. Because we want to we rotate guys. We want to play people. And at the same time, you have to earn that. You know, you have to earn the right to play. And we've had several guys that have earned that right. James Hill? You know, usually early in the year, defensively, they're not a great tackling team. But you guys have been a really good tackling team. Talk about that, and how well do you how well do you feel like you guys have been tackling? Uh, I think we've tackled uh, better, but certainly not where we want to be. Um, and you know, getting back to the strain part of it, when you strain and you have population at the ball and you do miss a tackle, you cover it. You can cover it up, and the finish of plays can erase a lot of mistakes. And uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why you know we we emphasize that so much, and uh, and demand it, and our players understand the value of it. So. Uh, yeah. Anything else? Eric Bailey. Ted, when you're in the coach's box, what's it like in those 60 to 90 seconds when you're waiting for a targeting call to be reviewed and uh, you're just wondering if you're going to have your player or you're not going to have your player? I'm thinking about when Danny had the flag against him. What's going through your mind? You're getting ready to get the next guy in and getting ready for the next call situationally, personnel, all, all those things. Uh, you know, because there's nothing that we can do that's going to influence the call. So you've got to get the next guy ready and at the same time get the next call ready and uh, understand the situation. Are you studying the video just like everyone else in the stadium trying to figure out if it's the right call, if you're going to have your player? Or No, I'm, I'm on to the next thing because I can yell and scream and raise all the cane I want to in the press box and that won't influence nothing. Yeah. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us on the Sooner Sports Podcast. We always appreciate your feedback, so hit us up with a five-star review. Give us a follow at OU on the air, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Until then, Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind Casino, still the one. And by Allstate, you're in good hands with Allstate. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Sooner Sports Network.